Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Jake Fraley of the Cincinnati Reds will play in Major League Baseball's second annual Field of Dreams game tonight in Dyersville, Iowa. He also happens to be my cousin, so I hopped on a Zoom call with Jake and his proud parents, Marvin Tracy Fraley, whose favorite movie is, of course, Field of Dreams. Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you having us. And we're here with his parents, Marv and Tracy. Thanks so much for joining us, too. Yeah, you're welcome, Jason. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> now, um, it's it's uh, it's really kind of cool to have be able to do a, a family combo here, I guess. But let's let's start start with Jake. Um, it's got to be so exciting to, to play in this game. Um, I know. Remember last year, you know, they had Kevin Costner come out to the mound and look around to that amazing music. Um, and then all the players walked out of the corn to start. So have they given you guys, uh, you know, a heads up on how that's going to go? Or have you like had to choreograph walking out the corn? <laughs> Yeah, no, we haven't had the choreograph. They haven't, they haven't talked too much about it, actually, surprisingly. <clears throat> I think it's more going to be once we get there. Because um, we get there pretty early. And, I mean, as you would guess, there's not any facilities out there um, as far as, uh, you know, what you're used to at a stadium. So there's going to be quite a bit of time to, you know, do all of the, you know, unique things that come along with playing in this game, which, of course, just like everybody saw last year, was, you know, walking out of the cornfield. Um, so I'm sure once we get there, they're going to kind of go through, you know, how they're going to do it. And I got to see actually a little bit of it, uh, cause this year, I don't know if you saw, they did a, um, a minor league game, uh, at the field of dreams. So I actually got to see about like three or four minutes of the minor league, um, teams coming out of the cornfield as they were introducing themselves. So I'm going to assume that it's going to be pretty similar to that. Awesome. And I, I'm sure. I'm sure just like playing any other big game, you're like, you're like, okay, I'm going to try to enjoy it, but I don't want to get distracted from what I'm here to do, which is, which is actually, you know, win a baseball game. Um, but you know, that being said, it's, it's going to be interesting because you, you know, you play in the outfield. So you're actually going to be turning around and usually there's a warning track and a wall. Instead, there's going to be corn. Like, and, and we've seen you rob some home runs before. It's going to be a little different with corn stalks, but like, how, how do you like mentally prepare being in the outfield? Like, how do you deal with the corn stalks? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a little bit more relaxing because I'm not going to have a bunch of drunk fans yelling at me. So <laughs> maybe be, ghosts yelling uh, at you, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe it, it might be a little bit worse, actually. <laughs> um, but no, it's obviously a very unique, you know, opportunity. It's I, I like to think of it as a once-in-a-lifetime, right, because I'm not going to be able to do it again. Yeah. Um, so with the rounds that they're going to be doing around the league, you know, over the years to come since I started this, um, you know, the odds of you being able to do it again are, you know, very slim. Um, so I'm taking it as a once in a lifetime opportunity and, you know, obviously, you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a, still a baseball game. It's still a, a big league game that, you know, we're trying to go out and win. So, 
obviously the, the routine and the habits and the focus is all going to be the same, but, you know, obviously the, the atmosphere and some of the external things are going to be a little bit different. Awesome. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to see you out there on that field, which is, I mean, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And it's one of my favorite movies. And I know let's toss it to your parents here. Marvin Trace. I know Tracy, I know, I know you've long said it's, it's your favorite movie and, and also he's playing against the Cubs. So this is going to be pretty big for you, but um, talk about, uh, you know, why, why, what is it about field of dreams that you think that over after all these years, it came out in 89, but you know, why, why do you think it's so timeless? Right. I know. And how perfect being a lifelong Cubs fan, <laughs> my favorite movie. And then my son gets to play on the opposing team. You couldn't set up a better, better movie. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. What is it about field of dreams? that's like lasted the end of time. And I was thinking about this and I think because it's like so much more than just a baseball movie, mm-hmm. it can attract people, whether they're baseball fans or not, that, on the surface, it's a baseball movie, but when you really think about the movie, there's it's so much more about dreams, fulfilling dreams, um, making amends with people you've you know had hardships with. Um, so much more than just baseball. Um, you know, baseball might have pulled a lot of us into the movie, a field of dreams, but then those of us who love the movie recognize it for so much more than just a baseball movie. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's the love of it. Like we all want to meet our baseball heroes, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, the age old saying I'm, I'm, you know, raised one of them, but we all have our, our <laughs> heroes that we'd like to meet, but that's part of the dream and, and the, the pull of the movie, you know, we all have dreams, um, you know, the writer writing, for what's going on and getting to go, you know, uh, into the cornfields to fulfill his dream. And, um, you know, Ray Kinsella getting to meet his father and make amends with him because he wasn't pleased with the way he treated his dad when he was younger, you know, so there's so much draw to it besides just baseball. Baseball's the icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned with that movie. Oh yeah I, yeah, I agree. And yeah, and and Josh, you even just while you're talking, you're just picturing all these scenes of, you know, well, Ray Liotta, rest in peace now. You know, this will be the first Field of Dreams game since his passing. But, you know, him coming out on, the, there's a man out on your lawn and, right. and you know, him, him <laughs> describing the crack of the bat, I can still smell the grass and, you know, the brass beds in the hotel rooms. Like it, the way it's written is amazing. You mentioned James Earl Jones, the great speech, you know, through all the years that, you know, the one constant's been baseball. And then we haven't even mentioned um, Moonlight Graham. I mean, come right. on. Oh, great Burt Lancaster. What does he say? He goes, stretch a double into a triple and wrap my arms around the bag. That's my wish, right? Yes. God, so many good yeah. moments. But let's talk, let's toss it to Marv. Um, does the whole, you know, hey dad, want to have a catch? Does that I mean I'm I'm in a pool of tears every time I watch that? But Marv, you know, you having a son now in, you know, in the majors. And um, I think of my grandfather, he taught my dad, he played catch with me, you know. But but Marv, is that for you as a father? Does the hey dad want to have a catch? Does that really does that wreck you every time? <laughs> oh, w- without a doubt, because you know, me, me and Jake talk about this uh, all, all the time and it, you, there's memories pop up and you think about being uh, a little kid playing baseball and I would pull into the driveway every single day and I wasn't allowed to eat dinner. Um, Jake was standing there with a bat in the bucket <laughs> and he said, we have to go hit. <laughs> Tracy would bring me out food uh, while I was sitting on a bucket because we had to hit, you know, two to 500 baseballs into that net every single day. So yeah, it, it the, the nostalgia of somebody that truly loves the game and then the see shoeless Joe Jackson 
on the field, one of the greatest baseball players to ever uniform. And then all of the things that, that both Tracy and you talked about, it's just, it's magical. The, the movie's magical. I agree. Yeah. Just, and just that concept of, you know, Shoeless Joe banned from the game for, you know, throwing the World Series and, and the he's almost in they're almost in purgatory. Right. He's working out his penance in the afterlife on this magical diamond under these lights. I mean, it, it really it, it there's so many, so many levels to it. Um, well, uh, before I want to get back to baseball, but real quick, Jake, have you always been a fan of the movie? Did, did they show it to you at a young age or something? Or when did you first see it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't I can't tell you exactly when I first saw it. But it was quite a few years ago when I was obviously younger, um, but I've, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that movie, I'm well over 10 times, at least. Oh, yeah. It's an all-timer. I think I watched it with my parents on, it was like a CBS movie of the week. You know, they would play, before yeah. streaming, they would play the yeah. old movies on, yeah. on TV, but um yeah it was so great um well awesome well marv you kind of mentioned that um you know you know coming home from work and, and jake had the balls ready to play sort of that reverse what remember that old cats in the cradle song where he never played with the sun and you got to do it all the time uh dated references uh <laughs> old, old references um but uh was there a moment um that you guys as parents, you Marvin Trace, that that you sense Jake had the potential to make it, you know, as a ball player. Cause I, I mean, I remember us all playing wiffle ball. Jake, you were like, you were like a really, you were probably like <laughs> two years old at the Fraley reunion or something with a wiff, <laughs> wiffle ball bat. Uh, my grandfather, your uncle Lou, uh, my Pat Pat pitching ball, wiffle balls to you. Um, rest in peace. But um, man, I mean, did you, do you remember any, any of those Marv or you said, Oh, he's got a shot here. Oh yeah. Well, without a doubt. I, I, there, there's lots of points along the way. I can tell you the biggest one without going into a very, very long story. Um, Tracy found a, a tryout for Cal Ripken's travel ball team when he was 11 going on 12. Okay. Like, he's not going to make the team. Like, we're, me and her going back and forth, like, just, like, whatever. And then we decided, hey, it's not that far. Um, it's two days of free practice. Let's, let's just do it. So Jake goes down there and there's 30 or 40 kids and Billy Ripken is throwing BP. Wow. So um, he, Jake gets up and he is tattooing balls off the right field fence, center field fence, left field. He, every single ball, I think he hit the fence, his last ball, he hits it off the top of the wall and it bounces back. Jake, you know, then, then, you know, Billy Ripken is, is, is amazing. And he's just like, get out of here, kid. <laughs> As Jake is walking back to the dugout, Billy Ripken goes, what's the matter? You only got um, warning track power. And Jake jumps out of the dugout with his bat in his hand and says, give me one more pitch. <laughs> Ripken goes, get the hell out of here, kid. So we leave from that field and start walking over to another field to do more drills. The coach that Jake had been playing for at the time grabs me when we're walking. He goes, Billy Ripken wants to talk to you. Never met the guy. I never met the guy before in my life. Mm. He walks up to me and talks to me from that field to the other field. And his exact quote was, I've never seen in a 12 year old kid with a sweeter swing ever. Wow. I looked at him and I was number one, meeting Billy Ripken was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Or two, Billy Ripken's telling me that my son has the most beautiful swing he's ever seen in his life. That says a lot coming from a guy that has a father, his brother, and everything that he's been through with baseball. And that was when it was a it was a sealed done deal for me. I was like, damn, we got something special here. <laughs> Wait, where real quick, where was this? Was it in Delaware or was did you go to it Aberdeen? Was in Aberdeen. 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 Okay. 
Yep. The, the little the park that they have there. Wow. Yes. And, and, and it was Jake, brand you, new. And Jake, you grew up. I mean, I always knew you wore number eight and everything, right? You were a Cal Ripken fan. So to have Billy there, oh, yeah. that, that must have been crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, watching the Orioles games almost every single night at that time when we were that young in the basement. Uh, so, you know, my favorite player was Nick Marcakis, uh, <laughs> Jay Gibbons. Yeah. Um, that was your era. Yeah, J.J. Hardy was there. So, like, all of those dudes, then obviously Adam Jones. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely enthralled by everything Baltimore. That's awesome. Tracy, did you have a moment where you were like, wow, my son can, is going to do this? <laughs> yeah, so you're really going to laugh at me, and, and Jake and Marvin might even get mad at me at times, but they'll tell you, and, you know, Jason, you may know this to an extent, but I am like the realist, and I keep it level. <laughs> so it really, I have to tell you, that whole story with Jake, which led him to playing on many other high-caliber travel teams, and every step of the way I kept saying, hmm, maybe he does have something, hmm. Let's go and see what he does with this team. Let's go see what he, it wasn't until he got that offer from LSU and the scholarship offer to go to school there that I looked at Marvin and I was like, he really is good. Like, like LSU, like fine, I'll admit it that's now. a baseball school, you know? Yeah. I was like, all right, I guess he is that good. It was yeah. that moment that I really finally was like, yeah, he's got it. He really does. Um, I'm just not one to jump in, you know, and just say, oh, yeah, he's so great. And everyone kept telling us that, you know, from the time he started playing T-ball in Delaware, you know, he's special, yeah. he's special. And it was just like, yeah, well, so is every other kid at six and seven and 11 and 12. So let's wait a little while. So it took me a little bit longer before I jumped on the Jake Fraley bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, just to, to tie all the local connections together, Jake, you were born in Frederick, grew up in Delaware, and then take me to that part like your mom's talking about where um you transition from how do you say it caravel academy in delaware yeah yep. to, to college at, in lsu um what sort of you know how did you see yourself grow from each you know like what sort of lessons and here's where you get to shout out to coaches and stuff too <laughs> but you know uh high from high school to lsu ball you know how, how do you see yourself developing because that's a whole different level you don't really i mean when, when you're in high school up until probably very recently, um, the mental side of the game never really developed to an extent for me until recently, um, if I'm being completely honest. But when you're that young, you don't – you get kind of, like, lost in, like, the future, like, always looking toward it, always wanting more. This isn't good enough. You haven't done enough. Um so like, and, and, and you need that in a sense. So like going from Caravel, even pushed back before that with Red Lion and starting high school ball, um, you know, I was very excited. I was very, you know, I was like, you know, kind of like starting all over again, right? You, you were the best on your, you know, travel ball teams. You were the best on, you know, the Derby of Ruth teams. And then getting to high school is kind of, again, restarting. So you're, I'm a freshman. I'm trying to prove myself. It's, you know, it's, it is a different ball game. Um, and that extent, you know, it was, wasn't very, uh, familiar as far as like, you know, how big the field was, everything pushed back, all of those things. Um, you know, it was just a few years getting to high school of, of having that experience of a bigger field and all that stuff. Um, so you kind of get like lost in it and then you kind of get into it and you start playing, you start mentoring with teammates and you're like, okay, like I'm, I fit in here, I can do this. And then, you know, fast forward again, like your question with Caraval and then Caraval was the same thing. You know, at that point I was already a senior and committed to LSU um you know I had 
a lot of interest from the pro side coming out of high school. Um, and it was kind of like, okay, let me see where I fit in here. And then I get to Carabelle and, you know, everything's good. Everything's, you know, awesome. I have a phenomenal year. And then, you know, I'm like, you know what? I want to go to LSU. I don't want to go to pro ball. Um, I don't think I'm ready. I, <clears throat> I just want to go experience, you know, college and, and all that. And then again, you get to LSU and then it's restarting all over again. So like every phase of the game, as you continue on from, um, I would say from high school on, because everything before that is just very kind of built together and it's very controlled in a sense. Um, but high school travel ball and then getting into college and then obviously professional baseball and on up to the big leagues, it's every level is a new restart. So it's just that concept of like remembering kind of like where you came from, understanding this is kind of like a new level and a new aspect of the game. You've got to kind of embrace, learn, adjust, um, and then find out where your feet land um, and see where you can kind of fit in. Um, and then once you kind of get that feeling, it's kind of like, you know, I've been here before, even though, you know, it's new. Right, right, definitely. Well, it was it was fun to come watch you at LSU. You, you you know, you tore the cover of the ball and you were awesome. And although I will say I did not know it could well, I thought it was gonna be all warm coming to Baton Rouge and it we I was like an unseasonably it was cold freezing. weekend. Freezing. It was freezing and we were sitting in the shade and we, we pulled our comforters from the hotel onto the bleachers <laughs> with the like our teeth were chattering them. Right. But um and my poor dad too with the with the waffle maker. Always in the Fraley's travel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway. Anyway, uh, inside jokes aside, but um, anyway, so, but all right. So now moving chronologically, Jake, you get drafted by Tampa Bay um, and, you know, obviously, and then you get traded to the Mariners, but um, what, what was it like? Um, you know, let's, let's ask the parents, what was it like on, 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 you know, seeing your son get drafted? Um, it was the most nerve wracking experience I went through in my life. Um, yeah. You, you have all of these thoughts and, and to sit there and everybody's like, it, it's, it's gotta be the greatest day you've written. It was a stressful night <laughs> because I wanted so bad for, for Jake to make his dreams come true and to sit there and watch call after call after call after call and see him getting more, you know, more and more frustrated. It was, it, it, it was not fun. I mean, I look back on it and, it's it, it was amazing gifts for all of us to have and go through, but um, it was not a fun night in that aspect. <laughs> Once he got picked, it was like thank God, and then then it was everybody just relaxed and you know started celebrating. Yeah, Tracy, anything you want to add or, or Jake? Anything? No, you want to add? I, I think he hit it. I mean, you know, you're it's stressful because as a parent, you just you know, you want the happiness for your child and you know that the stress, you know, that a level of stress, it's one thing if you have a kid who, you know, is like, you know, a Bryce Harper or something that's going to go top five, no matter what. Okay. But when, when you've got a player like Jake, who's worked his tail off and he's proven himself, but you just don't really know where he's going to go. It's stressful, but it was stressful I wasn't stressed. It, it didn't matter to me if he went first or if he went last. All I wanted was for him to get drafted to have the opportunity. But expectations in his eyes and the stress it places on them, that's where it's nerve-wracking for you as a parent. And I think Marvin touched on that just fine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and and Jake, uh, one, one quick final Seattle question before we come full circle to Cincinnati Reds here. But um, 
Take me into that that big play where you know that the where you rob the home run and make come off and make the big throw, and uh, I, I'll never forget the the announcer's voice cracking <laughs> for Haley. Oh my God! Uh, thank your our name is etched in time with a, a voice crack now, thanks to you. But <laughs> um, tell tell me about that moment. You know, did you get a good read on the ball? Did 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 you jump? I can't, did you put your foot up on the fence? I can't remember. But take us into the end of how that played out. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was a very close game, so everybody was locked in for the entirety of it because um, it was just back and forth and locked between both of us. You know, nobody was really budging for most of the game. And then, um, you know, they had a uh, rookie. It was actually his um, – I believe it was his debut or maybe his second game in the big leagues, Paredes. Um, and actually, scratch it out, it was his, it was his debut. Um, and he already had a hit, so he got his, you know, his first big league hit out of the way. And, um, you know, he got into that one. And Verizon, he was actually off of one of our best relievers um, last year. He was phenomenal, one of the best in baseball. Um, so the fact that he got to the fastball that he got to, that was a little bit out of the zone and was surprising in itself. So, um, you know, I was able to – we were already playing deep, so I was already close to the fence, which makes it a lot easier from an outfielder's perspective um, with a ball that's hit well, you know, directly over your head. Um, so I knew where the fence was. I knew it wasn't, you know, too far off from where I started. And at that point, it's just a matter of sticking to your instincts, um, going into, uh, you know, everything that you practice before the game and then the off season and everything, you know, leading up to that moment. And, and you just you, you dive into the instincts and you just try to time it as best as you can. And um, I timed it perfect and I was able to jump up and they had a, it's not too high of a fence in left field in Detroit. Um, so I didn't have to climb or use my feet or anything. It was just more of just, again, the timing aspect of it. And, you know, it went into the glove and I was already pre-playing the, you know, the, the possibility of the play before it even happened. Um, so I knew that if I had the opportunity to catch the ball, um, especially in a sense of a ball hit hard like that, um, that I had to get it in quickly, um, you know, with the guy on first base and all of it ended up playing out exactly how I kind of planned it in my head. I just didn't have it planned out as quite exciting as that. <laughs> oh yeah, that it was perfect for like Sports Center top ten and all. And you you came you became a bit of like a I feel like on social media you became they became they were like Jake Fraley legions like hashtagging you right and left after that thing. It was hilarious. But um, you look like Ken Griffey Jr. And ironically, you there you go. He went from the Mariners to the Reds, right? And uh, and yeah, there you, you follow. There you go. And now you follow that. So so bring us full circle with with some Cincinnati stuff then, because that's who you'll be playing with tonight in the in the Field of Dreams game. Yeah. Take me sort of um. It, it was a bit of a bumpy ride, you know, in terms of you know you 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 move on to Cincinnati and then you battled some injuries. Um, uh, talk about how you were able to sort of pick yourself back up off of the ground and come back and have one hell of a game against. The, the Orioles the other day yeah um a lot of things that you know last year and change <clears throat> just kind of freaked things out of my control um injuries wise um and you know unfortunately with sports it's just part of the game uh it's just you know there's things that you can't control there's obviously injuries that you have that you can't control but you know the things that were happening you know to me and the you know tumble of a few things were things out of my control um so a lot of it was just me after the first few, putting my head down, getting back up, you know, everything that, you know, you're taught as an athlete, um, you know, perseverance and getting through everything that kind of doesn't go your way. Um, and then when this happened on the backside of, you know, coming to Cincinnati, being in a, you know, a fresh start, a new team, 
Um, it was exciting, you know. I had a great camp. I was enthralled with everybody that was involved with Cincinnati, the, the coaching staff, the players, the training staff, uh, the front office, a lot of the people that I've met from the front office, um, ownership and all that. They're very good people, phenomenal people. You know, I love the way they run the organization. Our manager, DP, is out of this world amazing. And so coming over here and then starting the season off playing the first month and having uh, – I was having some knee problems. I've never had knee problems before. Um, and it got to a point where we kind of all came together and was like, you know, let's free this out, give it some rest. So I was able to get that under wraps. Um, and then I went out on my rehab assignment and had a great rehab assignment. Body was feeling good, swing was feeling good. I was one game away from coming back. Kind of based it up the middle, hit first base, and fractured my, my foot again. Uh, and it was the second time I've done it. I fractured that same bone in 2018. It was just, a, again, a freak thing of just nothing out of the ordinary. I just hit first base and felt a sharp pain. It ended up being the same bone that I fractured in 2018. And again, going back to what I said, you know, in the beginning, whereas it's just things that are out of your control. And for me, <clears throat> when I went back to that mindset of, okay, let's just, you know, pick myself back up. Let's get through this. You know, I've, I've been here before, unfortunately, um, and let's just do it. And I found it a lot harder to do it this time. And I think it was just a constant kind of gut punches of, again, the year and a half, year and change of just constant things just not going my way. You know, still battling myself, you know, even, you know, having um, the things that didn't go my way last year, I still put together a pretty decent rookie year for myself um, with, you know, barring the things that I had to deal with, with, um, you know, the, the decisions that Seattle made as far as, and as well as, you know, hamstring tear and all that stuff. And then <clears throat> trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to do this? And I got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I can. And I was more or less, use whatever terminology you want, but for me, I think it makes more, more sense of like, kind of like almost like a nervous breakdown. And mm -hmm. I just didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. And um, so I had a, uh, a guy that, uh, He's very well-renowned um, in the sports world. Uh, he's been doing a lot of mental skills, psychiatry stuff for almost 30 years now with a lot of, I mean, Hall of Fame fighters, um, Cy Young winners in baseball, um, guys that will be, you know, multi-year multi, you know, extension guys, all-stars in baseball. Mm -hmm. And I started working with him. I hired him on as, you know, whatever you want to call a psychiatrist, mental skills coach, um, and it has completely changed everything that in, involves me and my career. Uh, completely changing the way that I think about my career in the aspect of how in control I am of it, what is in my control, what's not in my control. Um, and, and those things that are vital to elite athletes from the performance side, because when you are able to give all of your energy into the things that you can control, now you're starting to get into the aspect of what makes you know, these athletes that you see like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, the Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado, all of these guys, and why they're so good for so long and so consistent with their performance, because the game in itself is hard. Everybody fails, right? Baseball, you right. fail, you know, if you fail second turn of time, you're all fun. That's you're crazy. Awesome. Yeah. You make millions and millions of dollars and you fail more than you succeed. Yeah. And so what makes those guys be able to deal with that failure? Because there's something that they're doing that is allowing them to do that. And so for me, it was this side of the game that I never gave any thought or, or work to. And so for me, it was, I need to find somebody who has the knowledge to do that and to help me so I can take that knowledge and I'll put it into action, right? Because knowledge without action is worthless, but knowledge with action is power. Yeah. Right? 
So for me, um, it was a game changer and everything changed for me from that point on. And um, I feel like I am the most prepared Jake Fraley as a baseball player that I've ever been in my entire life. Wow. That's awesome. So you combine the, the mental side with, with the physical side. And then I know you all, you're always talking about the spiritual side too. Talk about how your faith is, uh, is such a big part in this too, before we run, because zoom's going to kick us off in like six minutes, but, uh, we want to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, Jesus is everything to me. Um, he, uh, he is the center of not only myself individually, but you know, my marriage, my family. Um, and so for me, it's just, the aspect of understanding that he is in everything and he is everything. Um, so it doesn't matter what you're doing from a career standpoint, um, how your relationships are, right? Everybody is living a different life and everybody's at different stages of their life. But yet Jesus is kind of like this one thing that is constant, never changing, um, and is always there amidst everything, the good, the bad, the chaos. Um, and it's, been amazing you know to be brought up in a family um, that is faith-based and to be have the opportunity to go to a school like Redline Christian Academy to meet some people um, teachers and people uh, staff that um, have been you know lifelong friends that I still talk to to this day that helped me along with uh, with my faith and my walk Um, and then and you see how the Lord works in so many ways because then even going on from there to LSU uh, my chaplain at LSU I mean one of my all-time favorite human beings ever um, helped me so much in my walk uh, in my three years at LSU and then since then just being able to just walk with the Lord over them um, learning about um, and developing that intimate uh, personal relationship with, you know, with Christ um, and just spending spending my time with them each and every day getting into the word um, being able to uh, to live it out in my actions every day and I think that's the biggest thing um, that has been constantly growing with myself is understanding that it's not like you have a very personal, intimate, alone time with them that needs to be a factor each and every day in your relationship with them, but also it needs to be spilt out into your actions, right? Holy Spirit overflows you with joy and overflowing so that that overflowing can go off into everybody that you're surrounded around, right? You, you can't reach everybody, but you can reach the people that he has placed you around that are in your immediate circle. Um, whether that's people that are close to you or a stranger that you walk on the side of the street, right? You know, that stranger um, seeing you, it might be the only time he gets to see the face of Jesus uh, in that moment, maybe for the rest of his life, you never know. Um, And so when you understand that, you allow yourself to be walking to that standard and allowing your your Holy Spirit to have a place to land and allowing Holy Spirit to have a place to come out um, in your everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. And that immortal, eternal, heavenly world juxtaposed with the mortal world is on display at the Field of Dreams game uh, with, with that cornfield is sort of, you know, is, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And, and, and you know, our family, the Fraley family, the Fraley Burdett family has, has, has endured uh, some loss in the last couple of weeks. And, um, and so those words are a little, not to tear everyone up on here, but the, that idea of, you know, is this heaven, these, the ghosts coming through the, the cornfield, it's, it hits a little home for all of us on this call, I think. So um, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And, and Jake, go out there and, and soak it all in. Like you said, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Anything you guys want to say in the, in the final seconds here about the, the big game? Marv, Trace, no. how proud are you? 
We couldn't be prouder. Um, yeah. Proudest of, of what he said at the end more than anything else, because without that faith, not, nothing else happens, period. And I know it's a big game tonight, but in a couple of weeks, he'll be in D.C., so maybe we'll see some people there, too. <laughs> all right. Yeah, if you build it, we'll all come. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Hey, Marv, Trace, Jake Fraley, the Jake Fraley. Thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. We appreciate it. And great to catch up with everybody. I love you guys. Yeah, it's great. Great Thanks, to see Jason. you, buddy. Have fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.